Thank you, Lisa. Appreciate your reading the fullness of the story, which is still only a real partial, right? Um, you know, I don't know how many of you open up a, a happenstance, the book of Numbers, very often, one of the first five books of the Bible, um, one of the five most sacred books for uh, those in the Jewish faith. Uh, and the book of Numbers is uh, taking us through uh, this journey from the people of Israel's captivity in Egypt to their freedom crossing the Red Sea. Um, and if you go back a little further, see, you, you added some verses, but you didn't go back far enough because we find out that this is uh, in the second year of what we now know turned out to be a 40-year journey, right? Um, so it's interesting what you already notice going on here. It's also important to understand, um, I think, as you hear these stories, to make sure that the brain is triggered correctly, and even the emotions, it's important to understand that this is not God's version of the story. These are Bible stories are told from the human point of view, which very much includes people who have faith in God, and are trying to uh, understand the experience that they're going through. And it's told through their eyes. So you, maybe you've had some experiences where you knew God was right there with you. Um, even when it was when you were complaining or suffering. We hear a lot of complaining here. Um, uh, and yet, when you tell the story of it, you tell a story of how God was engaged with you through the whole process. And that's how this story, and you'll read through the Old Testament, is told uh, as part of this 40-year journey. Um, in fact, I scanned through the entire book of Numbers to give myself some more perspective. And at least once in every chapter, if not multiple times, it starts out, the Lord said to Moses, <laughs> you know, um, uh, as if it was a transcript. I mean, it's all put in quotes and everything. Um, but we know that this is a story told of what the experience is and what the experience meant, not meant to be a literal kind of uh, transcript. But I think it's a very appropriate story for this week if you were hanging in there with it. It, it is kind of like picking up a novel on you know, the 20th of 50 chapters and, and uh, if you don't know what led up to it, it, it can be complicated to get into the story. But it's a very real, engaging story about the real experiences of what is happening in everyday life, isn't it? Um, and, you know, what's good and bad. And, uh, I, I love the part about, um, you know, we want meat, and we want meat seasoned the way it was when we were, of course, in captivity in Egypt and didn't have any of our freedoms, but now that looks really good because it was just, we just had it. It was right there in front of us. And now... <coughs> We're having to fight tooth and nail for everything we get. We're not getting any good meat, you know. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if you've had that experience. It's kind of like, not really ready to look at the big picture here, you know. Do you really want to go back and be in bondage again? But isn't that true in our own lives sometimes when we're suffering with something? Well, okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. Just for a day, I'll go back and I'll take it just so I can have this one little pleasure that I can really kind of contextually important, and this week we, we've gone through, I don't know how many of you 
had the experience that so many uh, millions of Americans had this week of having the events of the Supreme Court hearings and, and Christine Blasey Ford's testimony followed by Judge Kavanaugh. Um, for a lot of people, whether they watched it or not, um, it was the emotional impact of the whole week um, in their lives. And for a lot of women, it's really, it was really actually interesting because one of the tamest stations out there that carried it is C-SPAN. You know, they don't do any commentary. But they were taking phone calls, one after another, women telling their stories. You know, um, and just telling how hard it has been and how, how much they appreciate what she did in testifying because it was affirming to their stories. Um, over and over and over again, um, these stories were coming out all week. So it's an interesting week to have this reading because, you know, they're looking in the second year of 40 years at where are we going? They don't know it's going to be 40 years. They probably are hoping it's another year, maybe at the most. You know, where are we going? It, it seems pretty miserable. And, and Moses is their mediator in communication with God. And there's a million things you can deal with that are in this reading. We're not going to get to deal with them all today. Um, but it raises kind of the, the, the question of um, uh, what do we do with our how do we process them? Um, this is clearly a story where, and there's countless ones like this, where uh, God is engaging, God gets angry, God, God listens, and God responds, and God's engaging with the complaints of the people that are happening here. Um, but what do we do with our complaints? And who's willing to listen to our complaints? We're just going to tell us we're just complaining. We should get over it. And I don't know about you, but when I complain, um, you know, I, I'm not real good at getting it all the details exactly right, or even blaming exactly the right number of people who should be blamed for my complaint, um, because I'm feeling that complaint down in my guts, and I'm complaining. I'm just hoping somebody will say, I'm sorry, Jim, that you went through that. My wife did that with me this week. She said, she said to me, she said, uh, you're, you know, I know you're a reasonable man. I wouldn't be with you for 33 years. But I don't want you to talk to me about this. I just want you to say, I'm sorry. On behalf of man, I want you to say, I'm sorry. Stop there. That's enough. <laughs> so, and uh, so, so uh, that, that's, what, that's what she needed this week. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what, what you might need. But I thought we'd spend a few minutes, and, and if it's okay with you, since we're sitting in a circle, rather than breaking into pairs, we'll just maybe have a little bit of conversation here. Um, but if you looked in the bulletin, you'll see that we have the question to talk about. So imagine that Moses came to you and said, I'm going to talk to God. What complaint do you have that you would like me to bring to God? So, here's Moses, ready to listen to complaints that Moses is going to bring to God on 
behalf of the people, on behalf of us. Why does he go to Moses? Why can't we go straight to God? Ah, so you're going to, you're going to, yeah, that's a really good one. Yes. Yes. All right, and, and there's actually something in the reading about that, because you notice later in the reading, you kind of have to dig into this and dissect it. Um, there is this uh, response that comes from God, where God comes and brings the spirit to the people who are gathered, right? Um, and then in the end, it lingers with two of them who are going to be kept in the spirit. That seems to be very much about an answer to that question. You know, one of the complaints is, Moses, why are you the only one have access? And God's response is, you know, more people can have access. We can broaden the leadership here. And in fact, Moses is feeling a big burden. If we broaden the leadership of who's connected with God and who can therefore be a mediator in God's work, then uh, Moses won't feel so burdened and you'll all feel more empowered. So I heard all of that in this numbers reading. I don't know if you, if you did or not. So, so I think there's kind of a little bit of an answer, Connie, on that one. But that's a really, that's a really good question. Other complaints that you would like to bring to Moses? Well, this is even before you said what you said. My complaint would be, God, why didn't you make men with an off switch? <laughs> why didn't you make men with an off switch? Hmm. You want to say more about that? No. Okay. <laughs> just asking. Just asking. Right. I wanted to respond a little bit by <clears throat> by saying that I think that's a it's a one of the biggest differences between the Old Testament and the New Testament is that God is accessible to all, whereas with Moses he's like the main conduit for the people when they came out of Egypt, and I think through through the story of Jesus Christ it's it accessible to everybody. And, but also, uh, getting back to the question, <clears throat> I think I would want to say that um, why can't there be greater uh, greater acceptance and, and genuine Christian love in this United States of America and throughout the whole world. Now, how do you say that in a complaining voice, though? Why are we so divided? <laughs> Why did you make people so hateful? <laughs> it's okay. I use that complaining voice today. Especially Why do we have to be divided? Why do we have to be divided? We have to be divided. <clears throat> in all these days, they were divided back then. Moses, too. Right. So by complaining, are we wanting it to be fixed, or are we just wanting to complain? Ah, what do you want when you complain? Just somebody to listen. Yeah. I don't want I don't want anybody to solve it. It's up to me to I mean to work through it. But I need somebody just to gut it out, just mm -hmm. throw up all over it. They can say thank you. And, you, know, you. I'm, I'm sorry for you and your issues, but I'm the exact same way. I don't I don't need you to fix it because there probably is a clear fix, but I need to get it off my chest. And sometimes I think it. Male role. This it is, is to fix things. To this make is things God better. we're speaking about. I know, but he's God not, can fix it. But I, I just want him to listen because sometimes complaining is just more emotional than objective. Well, sometimes by complaining, you get greater insight mm -hmm. into 
the problem yourself and where you are in that problem. Mm -hmm, yeah. We all do that, but sometimes, you know, you, you do that and then you say, well, here's the real issue, and I want you to fix this, because it's, this is as much as I can do. Exactly. So sometimes we get fixed here, but it's external. When I'm complaining about something within myself, a lot of times what will come to me is, okay, but this is what you're saying, but what is it that's really bothering you? What's behind the complaint? That's what you need to look at. So one of the interesting things is we kind of talk about this a lot. I heard there's kind of there's kind of two parts to complaining. Part of complaining is that we often just want to be heard. Okay. Now even when we want it solved, we often may just want to go through the phase where we just want to be heard first because nobody is listening to us, right? We often complain and people dismiss that part, right? Um, and but the other part is that sometimes we really do want to get to okay, can somebody do something about this? God, can you do something about it? Can someone inspired by God do something about it? Um, because it's intolerable to keep living with this, right? You know? So I think they both sit there. But I think the other thing this week that you know, you've probably heard the conversation about, and it's not a new conversation, but in our public spheres, and I don't know what it was like back then, but I presume in some ways it might have been worse back then journey for 40 years has to do with um, men and women in the public spheres. I mean, you know, we actually, we, we heard Judge Kavanaugh complaining in a very aggressive style in his testimony, and um, that's considered strong in a man. But it's not considered culturally uh, acceptable when a woman does it, complains aggressively, and actually even in the complaint names attacks to other people in the process or other groups. Um, you know, and which is why when women do a testifying like that, they try to be really under control. You know. So we don't get called nasty. Raises a question for us in this whole thing because I think this conversation about complaint has a lot to do with is it first of all, is it okay to complain? And where can I safely Part of the message here is you can complain to God. It's safe. It's okay. Right? But it, it's something for us to look at is where is it safe for us to complain? Where is it not safe? And on the reverse side of that, whose complaints are we able to hear openly versus whose complaints we dismiss quickly and we say, I don't want to hear any more from you. You've got to be careful who you complain to because the interpretation might be different with this person and this person. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So Pastor Jim, did you listen to Sunday morning because they said the same thing about how um, if a woman's strong and emotional when they complain, they become titled something and a man is strong. But that's the same thing that was brought up on yeah. Sunday morning. And I feel like I've been on a 27-year journey on this myself. Some of you may be longer because I first became aware of this when the Anita Hill Clarence Thomas hearings happened. And I remember either during or shortly after it happened, um, I was working at DSHS in Olympia at the time, and we were going out to celebrate a lunch, a birthday lunch for a colleague. And I was getting a ride in somebody else's car, and then we're walking to the car, and I realized 
there's five seats in this car, two in the front, three in the back, and then I'm the only man. And for the first time in my life, I remember thinking, the way I was raised, I would take the most uncomfortable seat in the car and I'd sit in the middle in the back. But there's no way I'm going to sit jammed up against two women after what is going on. So I took the passenger seat in the front and I felt, oh, this is terrible. This is so rude for me to take the best seat other than the drivers, you know? I remember that that conflict that I felt. I mean it was but it was it was being woken up to the, what's going on, you know. Other complaints. Why do people who don't want to take time with their children have children? Why are they, and then others who desperately want children struggle to have, to, to, to get pregnant? It's not fair. That needs to be fixed. Is that your complaining voice? Yes. Yeah. I can be a little whinier too. Feel free to be dramatic because I think complaining is a dramatic act. So, you know. It's so true, and I've had so many friends who've really struggled with infertility. And it's not fair, especially when there are some who have so many who don't take care of them. It's not fair, and it's hard. There, is that better? Winding in? Yeah, you can. I think we can work on it still. Right. You know? <laughs> so, um, that's the stereotype, too. Does a man whine? Right. You're whining. No, yeah. you don't do it. This is I true. think we saw some whining. Yeah. <laughs> but what men do it is not, it's not labeled whining. Oh, whining. I saw this whining. I'm sorry. I saw this whining. <laughs> <laughs> I did. It was a very rich man whining. Maybe things aren't important. He twitched one morning whining. There's a lot of twitching going on. That word, I'm sorry. You know, it seems like if we do have something going on that we're talking about, you know, we kind of push it out and then we go, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it to be, you know, so aggressive or I didn't mean it this or, you know, when he said that word, I'm sorry, you know, it pushed a button and it, it says, you know, that sometimes I find myself in that you know, place where when I finally want to just let go of what's going on inside, and then it's like, I'm sorry, and I'm hoping I didn't hurt somebody's feelings by saying something. Or, I'm always wrong. See, that's the whole thing, that whole PC thing, and just, uh, you know, you have to let it out. Because it'll, it'll, it'll challenge your humor, and you'll be, you'll make yourself ill if you don't let it out. Everybody should have a good bed session every, every week. But I think there are but I think there are tremendous gender differences and, and women often apologize for speaking their mind as if we're not entitled to doing so. And then we have to erase what we say and get back in our place. Put on you for generations that this is your role that you have to always apologize. It's not fair. But that's part of living under the patriarchy. Okay, we have time for one or two more complaints. And you can stomp your feet if you want as you're complaining. Pound your fist or whatever. Why does the snow stay so long on the ground in Colville? <laughs> 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 
doesn't the snow stay around long enough in Colville? <laughs> Why are we so divided? Why, as humans, are we so? If you know, if all of the ends, if if what we hear here, and if we believe what we hear here, that that God is love, that in that the that I mean, in very simplistic terms, that God is love, love is the answer. The world is in the condition that it's in, and there is so much hate and so much anger and so much so many negative things. If God is capable of, this isn't a complaint, it's just a question. It's been my question forever. If God is capable of presenting fundamental truths to us about what life means and who we have the potential to be, and we can hear it and we can go, oh, yeah, 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 then why do we just get distracted and forget? <laughs> why is it so easy to just have that, that awakening and then it's like, you just it's just like bye and then you're thinking about well, I don't want to make dinner or what I mean it, 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 there should be a way to incorporate things that help us to be the way we'd like people to be and sustain it instead of having it be so fleeting or just I don't know how to even say it I think maybe if it wasn't fleeting, we might even take it for granted, and maybe it's more special when it just does come upon us. I mean, distraction. We live in a modern world full of distractions that pull us away from the awareness of God and your communion with Him, I think. And sometimes we like the distractions. Sometimes we like it. And sometimes we just, like myself, I'll only speak for myself, but I'm lazy. Well, I'm just thinking on the big scale, like, it's, it, to me, it's that distraction that allows and encourages the darkness. It's forgetting who we are and what we are and who God is and what our relationship could be that enables people to treat each other horribly. That's the way I see it. If everybody got it, then God's work would be done. What's wrong with that? Yeah. Hmm? <laughs> it was a positive, pleasant well, world. That ultimately, it will become that way according to the books of the Bible, but there's a lot of work to be done in the meantime. Well, you, you started off early by talking about the difference in the New Testament and Jesus and how God is more directly accessible, although many parts of Christianity haven't necessarily done that. They, continue to have mediation between ourselves and God. Um, but I think in this numbers reading, we have a hint that this was not something new with Jesus. It was just, in Jesus, we, we understood it in a new way. That it's right here in this reading. That God, it's not God's intention to only work through Moses. God wants to work through more. It's even calling for more who can prophesy. People are complaining, how come these two still are able to do it? Well, because it's a good thing, right? It's a good thing to spread power, to spread leadership, to spread the kind of movement of the Spirit through people. Um, it's a good thing to do that. Um, and But one thing we don't like about it that comes out in the whole journey to the Promised Land is that we don't like the process that gets us there. You know? Um, we, 
like that the process includes steps backward before we can go forward. We don't like the fact that the process includes that we have to deal with our own suffering along the way. And we have to deal with the suffering of other people along the way. And we have to deal with our vulnerability and somebody else's vulnerability. We have to deal with our complaining and somebody else's complaining. We want love to be the simple answer and just get us above all of that. But everything in the Bible from the very beginning tells us in the human gritty process of it all, it's working through all of that stuff that's going to get us there. Right? And so I think the, for me the affirming thing out of today is that if we want to truly be a community that makes a difference, then we, we have to learn how to um, really hear each other's complaints, give affirmation to the authenticity of the, the energy, the power, sometimes the suffering, um, sometimes the lost feeling that comes out of our complaining. And we need to patiently walk with each other through that rather than just giving an immediate answer. You wouldn't complain if you would just do this. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, and uh, so to me, especially coming out of this week, um, that's, that's part of the affirmation for me. And, and frankly, if we don't want to be divided as, as a country or as a culture, we've got to do this process as a culture. And it's being forced on us now because we are so divided because... We have come to different places, not as a gimmick or a game, but we are truly divided in how we step out our doors and see. You know, the reality that I see, I can have somebody else, and they're seeing, they're saying, I don't see any of that, I see this. And we're both looking at the same thing. And we're both being honest in the same moment. And the only way we're going to get through that is to work on the, hold hands with each other and work on the process and say, I'm willing to hear your complaint. When you're all done and you don't need it anymore, would you hear my complaint? <laughs> you know? Um, and uh, grab some nourishment along the way. Maybe it's not the meat we had back in Egypt, but, you know, it's something else. But I, I really came out of this week thinking that this is the nitty-gritty of what can help us move forward. So imagine on Thursday at those hearings if the complaint of both parties was authentically and equally heard and understood by both sides. <laughs> Imagine how today would be a different day because of that. Wouldn't solve anything, wouldn't mechanistically have solved anything necessarily yet, but it would have been a breakthrough that maybe would have helped solve something. Right? Does that make sense? Am I making sense? Um, so, maybe that's what we can practice, is uh, learning how to, uh, to really say, you know, we hear the hints of it when somebody starts to complain, and then we often see they pull back, and we kind of turn away or change the subject. What would it be like if, when we hear the hint of a complaint from someone, we find a safe way for them to really air that complaint. And we say, I really want to hear that. But no, it's just going to ruin your day. No, I really want, I really like to hear that. Mm -hmm. um, so we have a God here in the Old Testament who really wants to hear those complaints. And he interacts very genuinely. It doesn't mean God isn't going to get angry, right? That's the Old Testament God. God 
God doesn't, God doesn't say, I'm going to listen to you, and oh, that's great, that's wonderful. No, God's going to interact with that um, in some authentic way as well. But that's okay, because God isn't going to leave either. God's going to hang in there. God's going to be there through every piece of it, every part of whatever complaint it is we do have. Um, and we may be only in the second year, but we'll eventually get to the promised land. true that in the United Church of Christ we put a lot of focus on the promised land um, being a place that when we come together and learn how to do this stuff together as, as groups of people in community when we learn how to do that that promised land can emerge right here in our midst it doesn't have to wait for the points to be counted so we get to heaven it can emerge right here So that's 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 the bigger vision of it all. And complaint is part of the process. It's a legitimate part of the process. It's not something like, why are you complaining? Mr. Chairman, can I ask a question? Yes.
final thoughts? There was a really great cartoon, political cartoon that I saw once, but it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't really political, it was more a religious cartoon, but it was a woman who was driving and it ties in with what you were saying. A woman who was driving and she saw a hungry child, you know, begging for food on the street. She goes back home and she prays, you know, why God, why, you know, did you make that child hungry? And I'm, I forget the words that that um, that they used in that cartoon, but it said, "Well, I made you, and I gave you eyes, mm-hmm. and I gave you hands to serve." Mm-hmm. And I think that ties in with our reading here. Like, you know, we're we're the body, we're the community, so we gotta help each other. thing I find so baffling about it, and maybe I'm just looking at it wrong because, like you said, it may, it's not necessarily literal, but when I was reading it again up there, and I guess this, this passage is perhaps where the expression manna from heaven came from. I never knew that before, that this was where it originated. So it's saying that these people are hungry and that with nightfall, God is dropping food from the air. But that's not good enough. Mm. It doesn't have the same flavors I had back in Egypt. It's a lot more boring. It It wasn't meat. Mm -hmm. It was hell. It was unleavened. That blows my mind. Sorry, I just—that's a complaint that to me that 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 it's. I mean, if we were sitting here right now and all of a sudden something started, just you know, would you say no? I'd rather have. Two eighty two. 